official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at wellchurchvt.com. Last week, as as Ian mentioned, last week we we started a new teaching series of seven weeks um, talking about the kingdom of God. And I shared this with you last week that the topic of the kingdom of God was taught on by Jesus more than any other topic. And I believe that that was the case primarily because we don't have a good frame of reference for it. The the only source of reference that we have for kingdom are our earthly kingdoms. And Jesus said this, that the kingdom of God isn't like earthly kingdoms. And so he knew that we were, we were like fish trying to imagine what it would be like to walk on dry land whenever he talked about the kingdom of God. And so one of the things that Jesus did is he provided parables to give us a frame of reference as he went about proclaiming the kingdom of God and demonstrating the kingdom of God. And so he would say things, and you can read this in the Gospels, he would, say, he would say things like this. He would say, the kingdom of God is like a treasure that's hidden. Or he'd say, the kingdom of God is, is like a seed. The kingdom of God is, is like a garden. And so last week what we did is we looked at a parable in Luke's gospel that helps us understand the already here but not yet nature of the kingdom of God. And today what we're going to do is we're going to look at another parable Jesus told about the kingdom of God that illustrates the gracious and generous nature of God's kingdom. How how there are no second-class citizens in the kingdom of heaven. How the last get to be first. How comparing yourself with others doesn't make sense in God's kingdom economy. So if those things sound interesting to you, um, you can listen. If they don't, you can sit quietly or look, go on your phone pretending that you're looking at the text that we're reading today and play, your, play games. There's freedom, no judgment zone here at Church of Noel. Do whatever you have to do. But I'm going to invite Luke Tomlin to come up, and he's going to read our passage this morning. It's Matthew chapter 20, verse 1 through 16. Went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing, out, uh, standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, You also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those who came first were hired, so when those who came were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? 
Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Thanks, Luke. So the question that Jesus wanted his listeners to ask after hearing this parable was, why is the landowner doing this? Why is the landowner paying these workers all the same amount, though they worked different times of the day? One worked, a group of people worked since 6 in the morning till 6 at night, 12-hour shift. Some worked from 9 in the morning to 6. Some worked from noon and from 3. Some worked from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. and got the same amount of money. So why is the landowner doing this? It's unexpected. It's, it's a bit shocking. And the question, that question is the key to unlocking this parable and in order to answer it, you have to go back to find out why did Jesus tell this parable in the first place. And to do that, you have to look back at the previous chapter, Matthew chapter 19. And what you discover is that Jesus was telling this parable as part of a response to a question that Peter asked. In Matthew chapter 19, what happens is, is Jesus and the disciples come up to this person who... Luke, or Matthew's gospel calls the, the rich young ruler. And this rich young ruler comes to Jesus and tells him, I have kept the commandments ever since I was a young person, ever since I was a youth. I've done everything right. What else do I need to do to, to enter the kingdom of God? And Jesus tells him, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And it says this in chapter 19, that the rich young ruler went away sad because he had accrued so much wealth. And then Jesus tells his disciples it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples are blown away and they say, well, who, who can enter the kingdom of God? And Jesus wasn't necessarily saying that money disqualified him, but it was the hold that the, the money and the wealth had on the young man's heart. And so shortly after that encounter, Peter asked Jesus a question. He says to Jesus, we've left everything for you. What will there be for us? In other words, the disciples saw this interaction between Jesus and the rich young ruler, and, and he couldn't give up his wealth. So Peter turns to Jesus and said, we've given up everything. What are we going to get? What's in it for us? We're not like that rich young ruler. We gave up everything, so what do we get for that? What's our ROI? What's our return on investment here? <laughs> What's the reward for our sacrifice? It's probably going to be pretty good. You know, I, I wonder sometimes if, if it hurts God's feelings when we reduce our relationship with him and our faith in him to an economic transaction. Right? Like, I'll follow you, Jesus, but what's in it for me? What's my end of the deal? So what happens here is Jesus takes Peter's question, to, and he uses it as an opportunity to talk about the kingdom of God and to talk about God's kingdom economy. And, and Jesus says this in the very first verse of Matthew chapter 20. The kingdom of God is like a landowner who went out to hire workers for his vineyard. Now, back in Jesus' day, if you were unemployed and you were looking for work, you would go to the marketplace. 
And you would hope that a landowner or a farmer had too much work to do that day and that he would come to the marketplace to hire you for the day. And in Jesus' parable, there's a landowner who goes out at 6 a.m. to hire some workers and he goes to the marketplace. And he finds a group of people who are willing to work and he agrees with them beforehand to pay them one day's wage or a denarius, which was a full day's wage. At 9 a.m., the landowner goes back to the marketplace and he hires more workers. And, and this time he tells the workers, the workday's already started, but at the end of the shift today, I'll give you what's fitting. I'll give you what's right. And so he does the same thing at noon, the same thing at 3 p.m. And then at 5 p.m., the landowner goes back to the marketplace and he finds more people who are without work. And, and he asks them, why are you still here? And they answer him, because nobody's hired us. <laughs> and you have the first question, well, why has nobody hired these people? They're probably the, the least hireable. The best workers are the ones who get picked at 6 a.m. And then there was a 9 a.m. crew. And then there was a noon crew. And then there was the 3 p.m. crew. This is the 5 p.m. crew. <laughs> it re reminds me of uh, a couple weeks ago, I played pick up basketball on Thursdays. And a couple weeks ago, me and my friend Chris were the oldest people on the court that day. And, and the, you know how pickup works is they pick the teams? Except me and my friend Chris were picked last. There's some serious ageism going on. <laughs> but I tell you, that put a thorn in, in my, I, that, that, that just like it got me and my friend Chris were like, we're going to show them. We played our tails off, man. We, 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 played, we, we, we played better than those young kids. We're picking not picking us, how dare they? But the, the, these workers, these are the last to be picked. They're slower, they're older, they're less physical. But in Jesus' parable, he says the landowner chooses them anyway at 5 p.m. and he invites them to come work in the vineyard. Now here's the rest of Jesus' story, the, the rest of Jesus' parable. When the shift ends at 6 p.m., the landowner tells the foreman, when you pay everybody, I want you to start by paying the people who are hired last first. And so you can kind of envision it in your mind, this whole row of workers, right? And the 6 a.m. crew is down there, then it's the 9 a.m. crew, the noon crew, the 3 p.m. crew, and the 5 p.m. crew are here. The foreman comes to pay them, and he gives the 5 p.m. crew a full day's wage, a denarius. And they're probably blown away, right? Less than an hour's work by the time they get to the work site. And you can imagine what the folks down the line thought when they saw that. Whoa. <laughs> they were here an hour. If they're getting paid a full day wage, can you imagine what we're going to get? Oh, this is going to be a good payday. That's what they're thinking. But when it's their turn to get paid, they get the same amount. And in Jesus' parable, he makes it a point to say that the, the, the 6 a.m. workers started grumbling and complaining, this isn't fair. Wait a second. Those people down there, they worked, they worked an hour or less. We worked all day in the heat from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. We're getting the same as them? That's not fair. And the landowner says, how am I being unfair? Didn't we agree upon your pay beforehand? Can't I do what I want with my own money? Am I, are you envious because I'm generous? And then Jesus closes his parable with this statement. Many who are last will be first. And many who are first will be last. So 
what does this parable teach us about the kingdom of God? Well, I'm going to extract two things this morning, two principles, two truths that I think that Jesus is teaching here with this parable specifically about what the kingdom of God is like. The first one is this. The kingdom of God isn't fair. In God's kingdom, we don't get what we deserve. We get his grace and generosity instead. Remember the reason Jesus told this parable. He was responding to Peter's question. Peter says, hey, what do we get? We've sacrificed everything. We've left everything. We've been following you. Faith, that rich young ruler, I don't think he's supposed to get much, but we deserve something because we've been following you. See, Peter was assuming that God's kingdom operated and worked like our earthly kingdoms do. That the harder you work, the more you sacrifice, the more you, 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 you put in, the more you deserve. And so Jesus tells this parable to reorient their vision. That the kingdom of God isn't like that. God's kingdom currency is grace, and you can't earn it because it's a gift that's given. Um, there was a, a time in my life, a long time ago before I had kids, my wife and I had been married for a few years, and we just went through a rough patch in life. Have you guys ever gone through a rough patch in your life? Nobody here has. Well, I have, <laughs> many of them, and, and this was one that I'll probably never forget as long as I live. We had gone through a couple of miscarriages, and we were about to go through our third, and my wife was on like strict bed rest for several weeks, and we, we didn't have any money. I was working for a church, and I made $19,000 a year. And we were scraping by, and we couldn't pay our bills. And we had just bought this little house, because that's what you're supposed to do <laughs> when you're starting out, is buy a house that you can't afford. And we just bought this little house. And, and we didn't know this, but the septic system in the house, because we lived out in the country, it was installed improperly, and so it backed up in our basement in like the middle of winter. And the ground was frozen. We hired a crew to come out, and they were jackhammering it, trying to find it. They couldn't find it because it was four feet buried deep. It was installed improperly. And so we couldn't use our facilities for the whole winter. Every night I came home from work, and I was cleaning up sewage in our basement because it backed up into our house. My wife's on bed rest. We were about to have our third miscarriage. We don't have money to pay our bills. It was just like a, a rough time. And I, I look back at that time. I remember being so angry at God. And the reason that I was angry at God is because I felt I had earned something better. God, I am, I'm a pastor in this church. I only make a little bit of money, and I gave up so much to, to serve you and to serve your people and to tell people about Jesus. I'm supposed to be, like, experiencing all this blessing. And, you know, there were times when... Uh, I heard someone else experience God's blessing, a friend of mine or a parishioner or a neighbor, and they would tell me about something wonderful that's happening in their life. And, and I, outside, I was smiling, oh, that's great. Inside, I was like cursing them, right? Like, oh, man, I'm happy for you, you jerk. Like, you, you know, I got all this good stuff happening to you. What have you done? What are you, what are you doing for God? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm making like a third of the money you're making so I can pastor and, and be, be a good you know, servant of God, and my life sucks right now. But I'm glad yours is doing good. <laughs> but inside, I was thinking, this isn't fair. I, I deserve more than they do. And I got to tell you, I got so tired of playing the comparison game. 
you know what it felt like? It felt like I was trying to jump up and touch the moon every day. And even on a good day, when I could jump three inches higher than everyone else, I still had this deep sense of just bitterness and sadness because I knew that, that it was unattainable. It felt like no matter what I did or what I thought, life was just going to feel unfair. And over the course of several months, God patiently led me through a process of deconstruction where he, he pointed out some false narratives that were operating in my life, and he just helped me kind of deconstruct those. Have you guys ever had that happen to you before? where the Holy Spirit comes in, and it's maybe something you were believing about yourself or about God or about life, and, and God just came along gently and patiently and pointed it out to you and said, that's a false narrative, and, and it's ruining your life. It, it's, 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 not, it's not fun <laughs> because you spent your whole life building something, a, a truth, a way, a life, and God comes along gently and says, you see that? We have to like tear that down and deconstruct that in order to reconstruct something that's more true and healthy and, 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 and reflects who you are. And so God led me into this several-month process of deconstructing some false narratives. And what I started to realize was this, that somehow I had settled for a kingdom built on what I thought I deserved instead of on a kingdom of God's grace and generosity. That somehow I'd moved away from grace into something else. If you ever discovered this, that the longer you walk with Jesus, the longer you follow Jesus, um, the less in tune you are to his grace almost. And the more you depend upon your own efforts and work. <laughs> and that, when I started to realize that, this reconstruction process, God came along. What I love about God is he doesn't just tear down the, the old, the lie, but he builds up the new, the true. And a reconstruction process started, and for the first time in my Christian journey, I started to identify with the laborers in this parable who are hired at 5 p.m., the 5 p.m. crew. Because for the first time, I saw everything from a different vantage point, a new perspective. No longer was I the worker who was hired at 6 a.m. that thought I deserved so much more. I was the unemployable 5 p.m. worker, <laughs> the one who was weak and feeble and old and unfit, and yet God chose me anyway, not based on anything I did, not based on anything I deserve, but by his grace and his generosity. The best news that I can possibly share with you today, out of everything that I share, the best news I can give you is this. The kingdom of God isn't fair. You don't get what you deserve. You get God's grace and generosity instead, which, by the way, is far better. It's far better because it frees you from the comparison game. See, the comparison game is a game you never win because it'll always leave you feeling self-righteous and alone or bitter and discontent. Those are the only two outcomes. And if you've ever compared yourself to someone else, whether it's their status, their money, their faith, their, their life, their, their family, if you've ever done it, you'll know it always leads you to one of those two places. You either become self-righteous and lonely, or you move over here and you become bitter and discontent. Those are the prizes. 
And what's good news about the kingdom of God not being fair is that we don't have to play the comparison game anymore. We don't have to look at other people and be, well, that's not fair. Because we can say, no, the kingdom is built on God's grace and his generosity. The second thing that I want to pull out from this parable that I believe Jesus is teaching here in this parable about the kingdom of God is this. There are no second-class citizens in God's kingdom. See, the shock factor in this parable is that the workers hired at 6 a.m. get the same pay as the workers who are hired at 5 p.m. In other words, they weren't rewarded based on how much work they did. They were re- their reward was based on something else, the landowner's grace and generosity. See, in God's kingdom, your worth doesn't come from your productivity. And that's good news. That's good news because we live in a world that tells us otherwise. We live in a world that says you only have value, you only have worth when you're wealthy, productive, and accomplished. That's all. If you don't have those things, then you don't have worth or value. But in God's kingdom, our value isn't based on our productivity. I don't think anything has helped me understand this more than parenting. Several months ago, um, my son Judah was letting us know about a scholarship, an academic scholarship that he was awarded. And we were just listening and talking about it in our living room. And I had so much joy and pride in my heart for my son because he was really excited. It's cool to accomplish something, right? Well, a few hours later, I looked over the couch and saw my other son, Josh, who has special needs. And he was sitting on the couch watching Power Rangers, his favorite show. And, and sometimes when Josh is happy and he's excited and he's full of joy, he'll, he'll tilt his head up and he'll just smile and wave his head and he'll flap his arms like this. And that's, that's him expressing joy and happiness and just excitement. And, w- and when I saw that, something unexpected happened to me. When I saw that, I realized the same joy and pride that I felt celebrating my son Judah, I felt when I looked at Josh. Only he didn't accomplish anything. See, my children's accomplishments and productivity aren't what make them valuable to me. Their their value comes from just being my kids. Don't ever let this world sucker you into a false narrative that says your productivity and your accomplishments are what give you worth. What makes you valuable is that you are God's kid. You're God's child. We sang it. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. That's what makes you valuable. Not your productivity, not your accomplishments. All right, I'm going to wrap this up. I'm going to do something I've never, I've never done before, and that's I want to create a sequel to this parable with you today. And imagine, I don't know if preachers can do that. I, I looked at the handbook. I couldn't find it. But I, I'm going to take Jesus' parable here, And I'm going to imagine the sequel with you for a second. Um, So humor me for a minute. What do you suppose the dinner tables looked like for these workers? You have the 6 a.m. workers down here, the 9 a.m. workers, the noon workers, the 3 p.m. workers, the 5 p.m. workers. What do you think dinner looks like? I can can imagine that the, the dinner tables look very different. 
depending on where, when you were hired that day. Um, I can imagine the 6 a.m. workers probably went home grumpy, complaining. Have you ever done that at work, after a day's work? You know, it's Monday, you started at 6, you get done at 6, you know you got four days left. <laughs> you come home grumpy, miserable, complaining, and people know when you walk in the door, look out. <laughs> look out. <laughs> look out, I can tell. I, I can imagine what that dinner table looked like. I, I can imagine the, 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 the worker sitting down saying, you won't believe the landowner who hired me today. <laughs> the nerve of this guy, let me tell you. You know how hot it was today out, right? I was out there from 6 in the morning till 6 at night, working my tail off. But obviously, he didn't think our crew was good enough, so he kept going out and hiring new workers. He went at 9 and at noon and at 3, like, I guess we're not good enough. He just kept hiring people. And get this, at the end of the day, when he paid everybody, we all got the same amount. Nerve that guy. No wonder we can't get ahead. It's people like him. We work so hard, and we try to get ahead, and this is what happens. And then you have the, the 5 p.m. worker, and I think his dinner table looked really different. He probably came in the door just like with this smile on his face and sat down, and he said, let me tell you about the landowner who hired me today. You know, I'm usually the last one to get hired. I'm older. I'm not as fit as I used to be. And many times I don't even get hired. I just sit in the marketplace depressed, just wondering, how am I going to provide for us to eat? How am I going to provide for my family? But today, at 5 o'clock, Day's almost over. At 5 o'clock, a landowner comes up, and he, he hires me. And I'm so grateful because now I have an hour of pay today. I can at least buy, buy bread for us all tonight. But at the end of the day, get this, at the end of the day, instead of paying me for one hour, he paid me for 12. Can you believe that? See, here's, here, here's the thing. Both of these workers got the same wage. Both were able to put food on the table that night. But for one... Dinner tasted bitter. And for the other, it never tasted more sweet. Right? So here's my question for you this morning. What table defines your experience with God? Who do you most identify with in this parable of the workers in the vineyard? Do you identify more with the 6 a.m. worker or the 5 p.m. worker? Do you, do you, when you look at your life, when you look at the kingdom that you're living in, does it reflect a kingdom based on what you think you deserve? Or is it more based on God's grace and generosity? Which, which worker do you want to identify with? Can I pray for us? Lord, I confess that uh, many times in my life I've uh, felt like I deserve more than I have. And it's always led me to a place of bitterness and discontent or self-righteousness and loneliness. And I praise you, God, for sending your son Jesus, who freed me from that. And who continues to free me from that. That game. Lord, I thank you that I get to rest in my identity as being your child. That's where... My worth and value comes from not from, from anything else, not from productivity, not from accomplishments, though I praise you for every one of those. So God, I pray for all of my friends here who maybe they're in a place in their life right now where they just feel like life is not fair. 
God, I pray that these words from Jesus' parable would be such an encouragement to their heart. That your grace is available. Your generosity is available. God, I pray for those here who, who feel or have been made to feel by others like they're second-class citizens in the kingdom. Lord, would you just come and just deconstruct that false narrative? And Father, I pray, uh, as Jesus taught us to pray, that your kingdom come, your will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Why don't we stand together and we'll sing one last song. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community reintroducing Jesus in Vermont through worship, service, creativity, and community.